Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, what a great start. Good morning, Juliet First. So good to see you guys this morning. Hey, if you're new here, uh, first time back, whatever, uh, is that possible, first time back? No, it's not. Um, anyway, so glad you're here. Um, if you uh, were greeted up front, we hope you got a mug. And if you didn't, make sure you reach somebody that has a vest on with our logo on it, a leaf-looking thing. Uh, find them and get a mug, but we're so glad you're here. We are in the middle of a series called The Ghost of Christmas Past. The Ghost of Christmas Past. And if you missed last week, I'm sorry, you can go online or you can go on our podcast and you can catch up there. Um, but the ghost of Christmas past, right? Christmas time, it kind of magnifies everything for us, right? There are, there are things in our life that are really good, and during Christmas time, those things become better. But there are things in our lives that, let's just be honest, there are things throughout the year that kind of pick at us, and they kind of bother us. And when Christmas time comes around, we tend to blow those things up, and we just take it out on people. And the most wonderful time of the year suddenly becomes the worst time of the year. You ever had this? The most wonderful time of the year all of a sudden becomes the worst time of the year for you. And here's what's true about us. It is our past and our insecurities that overshadow the joy that we are supposed to experience during this time. And so last week we said this. We're talking about overcoming, overcoming offenses. And we said this, that life is too short and our calling is too big to live offended. And this may offend you, but we said, small people hold big grudges. You remember this? Small people hold big grudges. And we also said, stop rehearsing the past and release the other person and yourself to a new future. See, if I could sit in your shoes or you could sit in my shoes, we each have someone who has hurt us in life. And we rehearse, we rehearse that moment, we rehearse that time, we rehearse that pain over and over and over. And the reason why we can't get past our past is because we are constantly rehearsing that past. And so we said, release it. Release the ghost of your past so God can give you a better future. And that's where we landed. And so today... Today, I'm excited about this one because this is one I struggle with, and I'm sure you struggle with, uh, overcoming labels. Overcoming labels. That's today's talk, uh, and thank you again for being here this morning. I want to do something I usually don't do. I know we pray typically before the message, but, but let me just say this. Um, what happens here on Sunday morning from this platform, I take very seriously. Uh, and, and I don't know that you can understand it. Uh, maybe you can, but I feel a weight every week. Because the words that I get to read from the same scriptures that you read hold weight. And I feel that pressure. And I'll be honest, I, get, I just feel honored. And it is, it's humbling at many times to be able to stand before you week after week after week and talk about the Savior who has not only changed my life, but has the capacity to change yours and has changed your life. And so when I say, would you pray for me? I don't mean that haphazardly, like, okay, this is a formality. I mean, like, literally, I need your prayers right now uh, before we begin this. And uh, because these are God's words, not mine. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time, this time of teaching, this opportunity to grow and to learn, and to maybe address some things that we haven't talked about in a long time. I pray that you'd be in the next few moments, you would guide my words, 
and you would guide our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You ever wonder why people don't think about what they say? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder why people just say whatever they want to say without even thinking about what they're saying? Maybe you've had this experience. Somebody came up to you and they said something. They said something without thinking and later they came back up to you and they said, I don't know why I said that. And you're like, well, then what did you mean to say if you don't know why you said what you said? And it's really frustrating because it's like, well, what were your intentions? I think you just said the first thing that came out of your mind. And really what comes out of your mind is just comes out of the heart oftentimes, right? And maybe you've done this too, right? You find yourself in a situation and all of a sudden you just get something that comes into your mind. Maybe it's a word, a statement, or a comment. And all of a sudden it just like flows out, just flows out of your mouth. And you didn't mean it to come out and you just said it without even thinking. And then you went back and you're like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Why did I say that? You've had these moments, right? I think we underestimate the power of words. Hear me when I say that. I think we underestimate the power of words. You see, words have the power to heal, to create, and to motivate. But they also have the power to hurt and to wound and to destroy and discourage. Right? In fact... This is so true that, that you've, had, you've said this statement when you were a kid. Remember? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. But let's be honest for a minute. Word, this is so not true. Words shape our lives. Words shape our lives, and, and they create the labels that you and I live with. The words that have been said to you, the things that have been said to you, create the labels that you live with. In fact, there's a great wise poet who said this, that the tongue, that the tongue has the power, or the words that you say have the power to give life and death. Did you know that you have the power to give somebody life or to bring them death by your words? And so this is what I really know is that words are our world. That's hard to say. Words are our world. In fact, words create labels for us. And they create labels that we can't let go. And here's what I know about is true about us. We live in labels that we can't let go. We live in labels that we can't let go. I think we have that up there because that's a good note. Uh, but we live in labels we can't let go of. I was thinking this week about uh, a time when I was in high school. Um, I wasn't a bad student. I wasn't a great student. I made the honor roll. Uh, but the only reason I made the honor roll is often... Uh, I made the honor roll because I did extra credit. Uh, I would meet with teachers after school, and they would give me extra assignments. And the reason why I would need extra credit is because I didn't do well on tests. In fact, somebody once said to me, Brad, your gift is not test-taking. You are not a test-taker. And I was like, whoa, that's great. Like, I, there's freedom in that. And here's what's true about labels, right? Labels are easy to live into because they're expectations that you've already met. Right? Think about that. Labels are easy to live into because they're expectations that you've already met. They said this about you because you've already done it. And so people would say to me, uh, teachers would say to me, even my mother would say at times, your gift is not test taking. Which in turn gave me a lot of freedom to do the things that I wanted to do. I really didn't want to study for tests. And so I just didn't study for tests. I wanted to play sports and I wanted to go hang out and I wanted to have fun in life. And that's, that was important to me at the time. And so I didn't study for tests. I can think back through a, a good, my career at high school, and, and I would say a good majority of it was not studying. I just didn't care. But I didn't have to, because they already gave me permission to live up to the label. 
And that's what I did. We just lived up to the label. But the problem for me is this, is that over time I realized the importance of education. I realized the importance of education. And over time, that label sort of made me feel like I was unintelligent. Let me say this. I'm a, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling you this. I've never told anybody this other than my wife. But in high school, I took the ACT three times. Not because I got like a 32 and wanted to get a better score. Uh, not even tell you what the score was. But I just didn't care. And, you know, I would score high on some, some areas, poorly in another area. And then the next time I'd go back, I'd do just the opposite. The areas I did well in, I'd do poor in. You know, it was just, it, my mom was like, this is important, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, Mom. And it was just like four-hour monotony that I wanted to get over. I didn't even care. But over time, that label of you're not a test taker became you're not intelligent. You're not smart. You're not witty. And that label began to shape much of my life. Now, I get it. I have an undergrad. I have a master's degree. That doesn't mean anything to me, and I'll talk about that more in a minute. But this is the label that I struggle with, that I struggle with. And I bet you struggle with labels, too. What are the labels you struggle with. See, I get some of you don't get up early, or maybe you don't have a bandwidth to get a lot done in a day. Maybe you're just slow. And so people have said, they've equated your slowness with laziness. They said, you're just lazy. Anybody ever been called lazy before? Maybe, maybe it's this. You're like me. You're not really exceptional at one thing, uh, but you can do a lot of things, average. And so people say, yeah, you're going to do fine in life, but you're not going to, like, do anything earth-shattering or groundbreaking in life. You're just going to be average. Have you ever been labeled average? Maybe you think that your relationships with significant others are always going to be broken because you've been cheated on or you cheated with. Uh, you know, if you've been there, you get that. And so you've been labeled a cheater or somebody who's been cheated on, and you just think, I'll just date people that have that tendency because that's kind of how the relationship has always been for me. And you've been labeled somebody who's, who's just been part of broken relationships. Maybe this is the expectation for your marriage, right? You've had parents that were, maybe you had a dad who was abusive or a mom who was absent. And maybe their, they, their marriage existed, but it was just, they were just biding their time until you left the house and then they would get a divorce. Some of you have been here before, they would get a divorce. And you think because they had a bad marriage, your marriage is going to be bad too. That their marriage is going to shape your future marriage with your spouse. And, and you just feel like that's a label that's been put on you. And so you're afraid of it. And, and you just live with it. And so we just live into that label. We become poor parents. We become poor spouses because that's what we've been told. We'll be like, you'll be just like your dad. You'll be just like your mom. Maybe it's Christmas time. You, you really get this. No matter how much peace you try to bring to the table, you find yourself always picking up your pieces at the end, right? It's, it's a struggle. And I think this is true for a lot of us, that labels become a struggle for us. We struggle in the present. Here's what I want you to know. We struggle in the present because of labels we've picked up in the past. We struggle with labels, or we struggle in the present because of labels we've picked up in the past. And for many of you, if I could just step in your shoes for just a couple minutes, you would say, Brad, my greatest struggle is I cannot get past my past. I cannot get past my past. And let's just, let's just be honest for a minute. There are some of us, maybe there are some of us who have walked away from our faith. We have walked away from God. We have walked away from life. We've walked away from church. We've walked away from our community. We've walked away from those important things because we thought other people couldn't get past our past. And if people can't get past our past, then why would God get past our past? And we think that God won't overlook 
the labels. We don't think God will overlook who people say that we are. And so we just live into the labels. And we end up walking away from what's most important. We end up walking away. And here's what's true that, about labels as well. Is that labels lead us astray. Labels lead us astray. They lead us from what is most important. And so I want to say this. I'm just going to get it out up front. I think God has the power to move you past your past. I think God has the power to move you past your past and past the labels that people have given you. And you're saying, you don't get it, Brad. You don't understand my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my experience. And you're right. Maybe I don't. But here's what I do know. From the beginning of humanity, there's a story about a redemptive God who is, who is moving broken people from their past to a better future. Just look at it throughout history. And we're going to look at one of those stories today. And I'm, I'm excited about it because it addresses this issue of overcoming labels that others have given you. So, we're going to be looking at a story written by a man named Moses. If you're not familiar with Moses, uh, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And, um, man, he's just a great author because he's introducing a new God who wants a new kind of world. And so he tells stories that the world has never heard before. Uh, if you don't know anything about Moses at all, that's his point. He's trying to get across that this is a different God. And if anybody can relate to this idea of labels, it's Moses. Many of you know that he was, he was not a good speaker. He was terrible at speaking. But yet he was called to go and speak to Pharaoh, one of the most powerful people in the world. And if that's not intimidating, I don't know what is. But he also worked with people who had been given labels, the Israelite people who lived in pain, who lived in suffering, who lived in slavery. And he was part, he was part of moving them past those labels, past that identity that they had assumed over time and into a better future and a better potential. And so he writes this story to, to us today. And, and before we start, I just need to give you the backstory. It's a really good story. It's a love story. How many of you love stories? You love love movies? Where are all my Christmas Hallmark fans out there? Okay, put your hands down. Um, <clears throat> We'll play Hallmark Bingo after this. Um, but here's the backstory. There's this gentleman named Jacob. Uh, Jacob was uh, kind of one of the founding fathers of our faith. Uh, great guy. Uh, but he is out and about, and he discovers this beautiful woman named Rachel. And Scripture tells us, these aren't my words, these are actually Scripture's words, that she had a beautiful figure. And Jacob was like, whoo, yes, that is it. Haven't even had a conversation. She looks good. I want to marry her. Uh, and so she was, she was hot, and, but she also had a sister. She had a sister, and her name was Leah. And, and it tells us in the Bible that Leah had weak eyes. And so here's the bottom line. Rachel's hot. Leah's not. Rachel's hot. Leah's not. Uh, Ra Rachel, great body. Uh, Leah, great personality. You know, that's kind of how it was going. And so uh, Jacob goes to Rachel's father and says, Listen, I want to marry your daughter. She is beautiful. She's got a great figure. Again, the Bible's words, not mine. And uh, he says, I want to marry her. And so he says, well, let's make a deal. If you work for me for seven years, seven years, you can marry my daughter. He's like, that's a long time. I don't know if I can wait. But you know what? For Rachel, I'll do anything. And so he works seven years, seven years. And they're talking and they're dating and he works. And, 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 and time just flies by. It doesn't even feel like seven years to him. And so the seven years come, and at the end, he's like, yes, it's finally time. So he goes to Rachel's dad, and he says, my seven years are up. It's time for us to get married. 
And he said, you're right. You work seven years. It's time for you to get married. So they set up the wedding day. They plan it out. They get the cake. They get the dress. They get the goats. They get all that stuff. And they're planning the wedding. They get ready for it. It's Jacob's big day. It's Rachel's big day. And unbeknownst to Jacob, the father decides that he's going to do a switcheroo. And so he disguises Leah, remember the girl with the weak eyes, not the beautiful figure, disguises Leah as Rachel, brings her out, they get married, and you know what happens when people get married, they do married people things, and he quickly discovers this is not the girl with the beautiful figure, this is the girl with the weak eyes. Uh, Dad, what is the deal? You gave me seven years, I gave you seven years, I wanted Rachel, why did you give me Leah? And he's basically like, Listen, not fair to her. She's the oldest. I need to get her out of here. She's driving me crazy, even though she's got a great personality. So I, had to, I just had to have her married. And um, he's like, but I'll make you another deal. You can work for me another seven years, and then I'll give you Rachel. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Like, Okay, seven more years. And so he worked seven years. What's another seven, right? Seven, first seven went by fast. What's another seven? And so, you know, they decide. They decide, this is great. Fourteen years later, we get married, and um, they decide we're going to have kids, we're going to have a house, we're going to have a dog with a white picket fence. The problem was they just had a dog and a fence and a house and no kids. Now, some of you know the story. Rachel had a hard time getting pregnant. Meanwhile, Leah is popping out kids like a candy Pez dispenser. I mean, it's like, you know. And this kind of created animosity between uh, Rachel and Leah. Like, there's animosity. Uh, Rachel is just frustrated because everybody else is getting pregnant. Everybody's out putting out kids. And she just, she just couldn't have them. And you know that during that culture, not having kids was kind of like God's favor is not upon you. That God doesn't care about you or doesn't love you or you must have done something wrong in your life. And so Rachel's struggling with this. But eventually, years go by, Rachel and Jacob have their first kid and they're like, great, we've had one, let's have two. And they go for a second, and she gets pregnant. She gets pregnant. And this is where we pick the story up. I just wanted to introduce you to all that backstory so you know where we are now. And this is what it says. I love this. This is in Genesis 35. It says, then they moved from Bethel. By the way, uh, if you've ever moved when you're pregnant, not that I've ever been pregnant, uh, just, I can't imagine, it's not fun. We've done it once, not a good time, let's just say that. Uh, they moved when she was pregnant, and while they were some dis distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had some great difficulty. It says, and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, for you will have another son. Now I want to stop right here for just a second. Think about this. For years and years and years, they've been trying to have kids. They've had one, and you would just expect that the second one would go like the first. No big deal. And all of a sudden, it says that she's starting to have great difficulty. And I love the midwife who's offering support. Hey, don't worry. I know you haven't had any for a long time, but uh, trust me, you'll just have another one. It's no big deal if this doesn't work out. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is it's pretty frustrating. Uh, but she's just trying to help her out. And so things are not going well. They didn't have C-sections. They didn't have, you know, uh, all the technology that we have today. You know this. And so uh, it turns out Rachel is beginning to struggle. She's beginning to really struggle with having uh, her soon-to-be baby. And listen to what happens. In verse 18, it says this. And she breathed her last, for she was dying. And she named her son, but his father... His father named him 
something else. Doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, Jacob's not the one laboring. But he named him something else. And, and here's what I think. This is kind of, we're, we're going to unpack this in just a second here in a few moments. But I want to stop here because I think this is a principle that we have to understand when it comes to naming and labeling. Naming it something else. I think so often in our lives, we name in our lives what others have already labeled us. We name in our lives what others, what others have said about us. Now, I want to be honest, uh, I'm so glad that this did not happen at birth when I was born. Speaking of, uh, I want to tell you how I came into the world. It was a cold January 18th day and freezing cold temperatures. Early in the morning, I came out. And when I came out, uh, the nursing staff said, oh, my goodness, what is that? Uh, because when I came out, um, I thought ginger was a derogatory term. I had orange hair all over my body. And, and my dad tells me that the nursing staff thought I looked like an orangutan. Yeah, and I mean, man, that's, how bad is that? You're expecting a beautiful child, and out comes this hairy orangutan. And, and so I'm so glad, I'm so glad that my parents saw the potential and not what I was when I came out. Because if they left it up to the nursing staff, they would have called me, they would have named me just orangutan, because that's what I looked like. And I'm so glad that my parents said, that's not who he's going to be. That's not his future. That's not the potential. We'll just name him Brad. And I don't know what that means, but apparently it's important. Uh, not so much. But I think this is the point. We allow others to name in our lives. We allow others to label us and to shape us. Guess what? Who told you? Who's the one that told you that you were lazy? Not you. Who's the one that told you you would just be average? Do you aspire to be average? No, somebody else told you that. Who said that you would be a poor parent? Who said that you would be a terrible spouse? Not you. Somebody else. And we allow others to label us and name us, and we just assume that. We live into the label. That's how a lot of our lives are lived. But, we can either live into the labels of the past, or we can live into the potential. And this is what I love about the story. Some of you are like, I don't like Jacob in this story, because he just took over for Rachel, and that's not fair, but let me, let me help you understand. Go back to the story in verse 18. She breathed her last, for she was dying, and she named her son Ben-Oni. Now, Ben means son, and Oni means sorrow. Now, think about this for her. Think about this for Rachel. She's breathing her last breath. She's never going to be able to feed this infant. She's never going to watch him walk for the first time. She's never going to watch him walk down the aisle. This is a last for her. And this is a moment of sorrow for her. And so she says, she says, this is the son of my sorrow. I will never get to see his future. And so she names him son of my sorrow because she is so pained cause of her death in the last minutes that she gets to see her son son of my sorrow but do you know who else is grieving Jacob you know Jacob worked 14 years to marry the woman of his dreams 14 years some of you didn't even work 14 months 14 years to get the woman of his woman of his dreams and here she is she's about to die She's giving birth to a second child. 
And I love what he does. He says, this is only just one moment in history. This is not the future for my son. See, this is just a moment for you, but it's not your future. It's not your future. This is just one moment in time, but this is, this is not the narrative for the rest of your life. And so he takes over, and he names him Benjamin. Which means son of the right hand. Now some of you are familiar with Old Testament history. Some of you would know this, that, that in, in, in Old Testament history, uh, to be at the right of somebody was to be a sign of blessing. To be a sign of blessing. And you know what's so great is right before this very story, we find Jacob talking with God and God says, no longer is your name Jacob, but I'm going to name you Israel. And you're, you're going to be a nation that blesses everyone. And so Jacob realizes right in this moment, he says, we can either live in this present moment of sorrow or I can name my son, I can name my son after the future of what God's going to do through us. And that is he will be a blessing to the world. And so he names him something else. He names them something else. And so what is true in this moment for you may not be true for you forever. And here's what else I want you to know today. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you want to call it. And I love, I love in this story that Jacob sees, sees not the past, not what his mom was about to label him forever. Would you, could you imagine your name being son of sorrow and what kind of life that would mean for you, you being labeled that? Instead, Jacob says, let's, let's let him live into the potential because this son, Benjamin will be a blessing to the world. So here's what I need you to do today. I need you to not live into the label, but to name it something new. To name it something new. See, if I stepped into your shoes for a minute, there is this voice. There are people in your life who just, you know what we call those people? You know what the Bible calls those people? Satan. And we give Satan too much credit. I don't actually think Satan is a person, uh, but the word Satan literally means accuser. You see, labels are nothing but accusations. They're just accusations about what people think you are. And I think so many of us, you, you've done this, right? You've gone back to your hometown, or you've gone into the place where you used to work, or you had a conversation with somebody who you don't have the best past with, and when you're sitting with them, you feel, you remember what that was like, and, and, and those accusations start to come in. And suddenly, the more we revisit, we rehearse that past, we rehearse that, we continue to label ourselves based upon that experience. And we think, we think we are what we used to be. That's the accuser. Or, I love this, and this has been my experience, is that you can believe in a God who has the power to move you past your past. 
That we believe in a God who, who, who not only died for that label, but came to life and said, this label will no longer have power over you. And as I've come back to life, I'm making all things new, including you. You are a new creation. And because you are a new creation in me, I love this. I'm going to give you a new name. Name it something new. I just want to say this. For much of my life, I have struggled with this not being a test taker. Do you know what it's like every week when I sit in front of my computer thinking about what message am I going to write to people who need to hear this good news? Do you know how intimidating it is for me every week to sit down in front of a, a blinking cursor? It is a curse, literally. That thing is a curse. It just stares at me. And I think to myself every week, the accuser gets in my mind and says, you're unintelligent. You're not smart enough. You don't have anything creative to say. You don't have anything of value to give the people of Joliet and the community of Joliet. You know, you might as well just live into it. You might as well just stop writing and stop trying because you are stupid. Do you know what it's like to face that every week when you have the pressure of knowing people are depending on you to, to bring a message that is going to be just so enthralling and so exciting that you're going to be awake the whole time? Do you know what kind of pressure that's like? And to think to yourself, I'm not good enough. is so painful and it's intimidating. And so I've been thinking, what am I going to name it new? What, what am I going to name it new this week? And I've just been thinking over and over, and this is why you have these. And I've just been thinking that God has said to me, you're not unintelligent, but you are empowered. You're empowered, my friend. God, I've given you, and I've gifted you, and I promised a better future for you. And if you'll just live into the potential that I'm calling you to, if you just live into that, I will give you more and more and more and more. And so, while I may not be smart enough to do this job, I may not be smart enough to stand before you every week, I think God has called me to do something greater. And I won't live into the label, but live into the potential. And so this morning, what I, would, what I want you to do is two things, two things, it's twofold. The first step is this. You've been given this card uh, when you came in this morning, and on the back, this is actually going to help us out with next week on Christmas Eve. I want you to take this, flip it over, and I want you to read it. And you don't have to do it now. You'll have time during the giving time. I'm just letting you know what I need you to do. I want you to fill this out. If you've ever struggled or this has ever happened to you, I want you to fill this out, fold it in half, and we'll put it in the offering plate during our giving time. But here's what I really need you to do this week. I want you to look up at me for just a second, right here. Look at my ugly mug and my ugly nose. Can't miss it. I want you to take your labels home with you this week. And I want you to just think about what is the label I've been living with my entire life? What is that label? What is the label that I just can't seem to get out of or I'm just struggling to get past my past? What is that label? And this week, I want you to take your time on it. Don't hurry. Don't rush. But when you find the right time, I don't want you to write what people have labeled you because then you're just owning it. You're just meeting those expectations. I want you to name it something new. 
Because in Christ, you have been made something new. And you need to name it something else. And so this week, here's what I need you to do. I need you to write it down. And I want you to put it on your chest. Slap it on there like you're proud of it. And then I want you to go stand in the mirror. And this is going to look really goofy. Because it looks goofy when you're talking to yourself in the mirror. And I want you to just stand up and say, this is who I am. And I want you to stare at yourself in the mirror with that label on you. And if you're really brave, and this is what I really want you to do, I want you to take a selfie. For those of you who don't know what selfies are, just go stand in the mirror. But for those of you who love social media, for those of you who love taking pictures of yourself, um, take a picture with your new label. And I want you to post it. I want you to post it on our Facebook page, the Joliet First Facebook page with your new label. And you can, you can add the hashtag JF Ghost Series. JF Ghost Series. And I love to see how you have been named something new. Let's celebrate what God's going to do in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we do give you thanks this day. We thank you that you have the power. You have the power to change our lives this morning. And so we take this moment, we take this time, and we take the labels that have been given to us over a course of our past and our history, and we say, no longer will it be. Because you have died for us, you've resurrected for us, and I want to be made something new. And so, Lord, we, we, we take this challenge, and we take it, and we, we own it, and we'll say, this week, I am. I'm not unintelligent. I'm not lazy. I'm not average. I'm not a bad parent. I'm not a terrible spouse. I am empowered. I'm exceptional. I am beautiful. I'm a caretaker. I'm a caregiver. And I'm a lover. Lord, would you move us? Would you shape us into your image this week? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.